Welcome to Pushing Through. I am Tate Frazier, and as always, I am joined by the kid, BJ Armstrong. And today we have a very special edition inside the NBA bubble. It is senior reporter for the undefeated in ESPN, Mark Spears. Mr. Spears, thank you for joining us, and we appreciate you drinking your homemade coffee and talking to us this morning uh, and sharing the insights from the bubble. Yeah, grind my own beans every morning. Shout out <laughs> to my boy uh, uh, in Oakland, Luigi, from Mr. Es- Espresso. Right now, I'm, I'm drinking Canadians, uh, basically Canada Starbucks. This is Tim Hortons. Mm. So, but I have, uh, you know, everybody's talking about this Jimmy Butler coffee. I actually grind my own beans. I don't know if Jimmy does that. But I grind my own beans. I have coffee from, you know, the U.S. and Canada, and I'm getting some from Mexico. So my Diversified. Good. And I'm, <laughs> mine is free. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I need the money, but <laughs> if somebody comes by and they want some of my coffee, I've, I've given some to some people who are coffee lovers. Coffee lovers mm-hmm. only, but it's, it's certainly legit. Call it uh, Spears Cafe. Spear, well, <laughs> well uh, Mark, I, I, I'm waiting for you to invite me to Spears Cafe. I oh, man, you you're welcome to come now, over. man. Get that bubble life. I, I get this bubble life. Before we get to this bubble life, I, I just want – so where did this – where did this all begin with you with the coffee? Like, when did this, is this a tradition? Is this just your love for coffee? How did this um, all start for you? Actually, when I was uh, a sophomore in college, my father used to play, work at this play. He didn't play. He worked at a place called New United Motors in Fremont, California. It was an auto plant. Hmm. And he got me a job working there at 6 a.m. Made some really good money. You know, you work in an auto plant in college. That's some right. You know, you've been knowing that Detroit life and the Chicago oh, life. Oh, for know. sure. It, it, that's some good money for a college kid, but I wasn't used to working that early. So that's when I started drinking coffee because like, <laughs> I had to stay up. And I'm like, you know what? This ain't bad. So I've liked coffee ever since. And now being in the Bay Area for so long, man, like coffee is a big deal out there, just like it is wine. I'm a huge wine guy, too. I got a wine fridge in my room as well. <laughs> um, so both sides so i just i just knew like the food we get which is plentiful but it's also banquet like if that makes sense right and so to me if i'm gonna be here for three months i want this to feel as much as home as possible so i have a wine fridge with my own wine i don't want to buy their wine off the menu i got my own wine that comes in from Charles Krug and and Frank family and such, you know, and Wah family. I got my own beans that, uh, you know, I grind. I like literally every morning I, I take my temperature. I get my oxygen test that I got to do. But before I go get my COVID test, I grind my beans and, and I get my coffee going. Mm. And that's just, that's just like, if I'm going to be here, then it makes no sense for me to like complain about stuff. You know what I mean? It, makes sense for me to make this as comfortable as possible. Even David Aldridge sent me mambo sauce. <laughs> for any of you like DC people, mambo sauce is amazing. It goes on any meat, it's great. So I, my mama sent me a toaster oven, so I can cook my food a little more. Like, let's, let's, let's make it as home as much as possible. I'm, a, I'm gonna be here. Mm-hmm. You know, Mark, I, I gotta ask you, you're down there in the bubble. Yeah. 
share with us tell us what is life like in the bubble for you what you've seen when you first got down there i mean i've heard so many from players executives yeah but i mean you've been down to what like three or four weeks now right you've been down for got here july 12th Mm. and let me say something to the players and to the gms and the coaches and i'm looking right at them they we we call where they live in i guess the ritz carlton (laughs) <laughs> we call where we're staying at the hood. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they got all the amenities, man. Like they have access to this is made for them. And I get it. It's supposed to be for them. This is their show. We're just a part of it. Mm. So mm. they need to be as comfortable as possible. So we can't go to their hotels unless we're escorted there for a specific reason, like an interview. Uh, there's a whole restaurant 50 yards away from my room. We can't go to it. We, the media, we don't, we don't have a restaurant to go to. We have a, a, a dining area where they give us food and uh, we could order some room service and order some takeout. Um, but they have the best of everything and they should. Mm. So um, it's a lot different for us than it is them. Now we could get our hair cut. I've gotten my feet done. Like you see, I'm getting my hair cut every week. Man, I'm gonna say one thing. I wanted to say this, but I wanted to see it on air. Every person down in the bubble got the hair like right, fresh right? cuts. Fresh. Y'all got, hey, I don't know who the barber is down there, but all the media, all the coaches, all of the players, hair right y'all cut is. Hey, hey, as the boy said, it's crispy right now. I'm looking yeah. at you right now. It's crispy right now. And and they like it's funny. I get my hair cut every week back home. Right. That's just what I do, and it it ain't cheap. Like I, we we got to tip them, kind of like what the players tip them. Right, right, right. So I, I mean, I don't know if anybody else, but I tip them like fifty bucks. I don't pay Ooh. that. Oh man, you don't play around. Yeah, <laughs> but that's um, we're living the bubble life. These people flew in too, mm. so I'm respecting like their grind and the fact that they left their families too, and. So if that's what the players are tipping them and they're coming to meet me at my bougie eight in the morning when I want to get my hair cut and I should pay a little more, you know? Gotcha. Um, but somebody said, well, why are you getting your hair cut every week? Somebody from the NBA. I'm like, cause I'm black. That's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do. <laughs> just let, let, me, let me do what I do, man. You ain't paying for it. Just... <laughs> it's like almost like being in college in terms of the food. Like you, there's all the snacks you want, all the drinks you want, all of that, but you don't know what they're cooking. Mm. <laughs> right? You know, it's like it's like I always call it like what mom's cooking. Like I don't know, but mom don't ask you what you want. It's just there when you get it, but there's always food. And so sometimes you may not like what they have. So I, I try to be creative. I asked them, they they actually gave me a dietary thing where I get turkey bacon. I don't I try not to do any pork. Mm. You know, trying to eat healthier because if you want to get fat, and I'm already fat, but if you want to get fatter, <laughs> like they got it, they got the food to get you there. You know, all the Doritos, all the new snacks, they got it, right? But when I do have free time, like you know what I'm doing, guys, I'm fishing. Really? So I'm, I'm, I like, I got to come out of here with something. You know, they got golfing. Um, I don't golf, but. I always was intrigued about fishing, so I went twice. One time we got rained out, and I'm going on Sunday. I'm trying to go once a week, and that's something by the time I come out of here, I want to be, like, 
I want to know how to take the hook out. Now, now I know how to put the bait in. Like I'm, I didn't catch nothing last week. I was out there for two hours. So all this talk about, oh, they put all this fish and da da da. It ain't true for me. Like, but I, 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 I want to learn how to fish before I get out of here. Popeye Jones, when he has some free time, we're gonna go out. You know that country boy from Tennessee. Popeye. Um, so, so for you guys, for y'all knowledge, I was told the best fisherman here. Hands down, it's Paul George. Mm. Like, it's not even close. Wait, how second, can a California kid be a, a great fisherman? That, that Oklahoma City time. Yeah, that, that well, doesn't no, sound right. Fishing way in, Indiana. Indiana. Yeah, but I, but yeah. I know they got good fish. Uh, I know they fish a lot in Indiana. I'm sure he And then out where he, he's actually from, like, a desert area, uh, Palmdale. Yeah, and uh, Popeye Jones is second, I was told. <laughs> and... Uh, Blazers executive Bill Branch, who I know you know him, BJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bill Branch has caught over 200 fish since he's been here. Oh, stop it. That's what, that's, stop that's what Bill Branch told me. But, but no, but look, he fishes every day. Hmm. He gets up 7 in the morning. They could take a boat out. He goes every day at 7 in the morning. Hmm. Like how many executive decisions he got to make right now? He got a lot of things. <laughs> well, he's only got to make one. Just get a ball to Dame, and you're good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Yeah. But nah, we, we we like hang out by the pool. The referees are always by us. They're always chilling, listening to old school R and B and smoking cigars. And I'll hang out with them a little bit. Um, play dominoes. I was playing dominoes. Robert Pack was here last week. He kind of mopped me up in dominoes a little bit. So it was funny because like Pac has been by to see me and uh, Popeye Jones. They're like, man, it's more fun here in the hood than it is <laughs> over the at hood. the Players Hotel. I'm like, yeah, man, we just be we ain't listening to mumble rap every night, man. It's <laughs> Spears. I have to ask. You talk about the media all being in the hotel together. I think early on there was a video that came out of Chris Haynes. He was like playing Ding Dong Ditch with Mark Stein. Both those guys have been on the yeah. show and told us a little bit about their experience. But you know, being a media member, obviously everyone's connected anyway. We all know each other. But living together, yeah. do you feel like you're on some sort of version of the real world with all the NBA reporters? Are you guys competing with each other, or are people becoming more friendly just being in the same space? Um. I, I think the thing is, like, the difference is we're not in the same house mm-hmm. or the same room. Maybe if we're in the same room, it'd be <laughs> different. You could easily not see somebody here for a couple days. Okay. You know, just because it, it, it's like I would liken it to living in a big apartment complex. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. So I might see, you know, most of the people I see at games, but I might see them in a the dining room. Now we're more busy, so, you know, we may see him by the pool. There's one bar, outdoor bar we could go to. I don't really – we don't get too much free time right now, so that's why, like, Sunday morning will be my day where I'll go fishing and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, it, it actually, I think, like, for example, Joe Varden from The Athletic, I, I didn't really know Joe that well, and we both have an affinity for wine. Uh, Tanya Guglia from the LA Times, she has an affinity for wine. So I've gotten to talk to them and, you know, I'll probably start getting a joke. Me and Joe have been talking about some wine. I'm getting in from a guy named uh, BJ like this, Bertany Faustin, 
who's the first black winemaker in Oregon. He's sending me some wine. Mm. Oh, wow. So, and, and a lady named Paula Harrell, who a, a black woman from San Francisco, she's sending me some wine too. So I was like, I was telling Joe, like, we got to sit down and drink some of this wine at some point, you know? <laughs> right, so right, right. It, he, he shared some wine with me from like, a family member had a, a brand and he, he gave me some wine and he have a label on it. Some bootleg wine. <laughs> <laughs> bootleg, right? <laughs> so, so I guess to answer your question, like, you know, I, I know everybody pretty much. Obviously, I've known Chris Haynes and Gary Washburn and all my ESPN colleagues for a long time. But I think, yeah, like, you inevitably get to know some of the other people as well. Mm, mm. And and you mentioned the wine. Uh, one of the stories that you just had come out was about C.J. McCollum. We saw right. J.J. Reddick come out, and he says, "I have my own wine club in the in the bubble." You know, LeBron. We we saw him last year on the bench with the Lakers drinking wine. Wine is a big deal in the NBA. It's a big topic, a conversation. Mm-hmm. Is that is that bringing people together in the bubble, Spears? I mean, with players, you talk to C.J. about it. I mean, the players mm-hmm. obviously have their own wine club, but is is wine going to be the unifying thing that we all have together when it comes to basketball, or maybe outside of basketball, we all have wine? I think it's the old kind of like Josh Hart to me is like the only young player that drinks wine. <laughs> okay. uh, I, I He's an old that. soul. So yeah, <laughs> he's like the only young dude that's into it. And I could actually see him getting his own label. Hmm. Like what, what CJ is doing, I think is really, really exciting to have his own wine come out next month. Um, so I think it's like an acquired thing. I'm from the Bay. I'm an hour from Napa. I made two trips to Napa Valley before I came out here. <laughs> so that's just that's just what I do. That's just me. And so I think it's 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 an acquired thing. I actually will take credit for Mellow drinking wine. I know he has really doesn't Yao Ming have doesn't he have a winery? Doesn't yeah, Yao Ming so Yao has a thing called Yao Family Winery. Shout out to them. They sent me a case too. Oh nice. When nice. I was in quarantine. So, like, I gave one to Lisa Salters. Uh, I think Dame got one. No, not Dame. Um, Spider, he got one. Okay. Mike Conley. Uh, I gave one to Zach Zarba. Um, nice. Di- different, uh, I think, like I said, Rachel Nichols, Lisa Salters. I think Malika, I gave her one. Like, passing out Yao Ming's wine. But I think that his tasting room has closed. Oh, wow. Napa because of the tariffs, because of COVID, because of the lack of tourists. So most of his wine was being purchased by, I think, uh, more people internationally, people in Asia, China. And since that market is kind of like, uh, I don't know if we mess with the U.S. right now, you know. Right, right. Uh, I, I think his wine might, hopefully it's not dying. But I think that I, I do know that it is, uh, his tasting room is shut down. Mm. Quick break to get a word from our sponsor, Nitza. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. You could get in a crash, people could get hurt or killed. But let's take a moment to look at some surprising statistics. Almost 29 people in the U.S. die every day in alcohol-impaired vehicle crashes. That's one person every 50 minutes. Even though drunk driving fatalities have fallen by a third in the last three decades, drunk driving crashes still claim more than 10,000 lives each year. Drunk driving can have a big impact on your wallet, too. You could get arrested or incur huge legal expenses. You could possibly even lose your job. So what can you do to prevent drunk driving, you ask? 
Plan a safe ride home before you start drinking. Designate a sober driver or call a taxi. If someone you know has been drinking, take their keys and arrange for them to get a sober ride home. That's what being a friend is for. We all know the consequences of driving drunk, but one thing's for sure. You're wrong if you think it's no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. Back to Mark Spears. You know, Mark, you know, transitioning a little bit to, to basketball. <laughs> yeah, <we're> like, <laughs> hey, wine, I just want <laughs> wine hour with Mark Spears. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm talking about wine like I'm talking about hoop, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, we, we want to talk more wine, but I just want to ask you a little bit yeah. about the basketball down there. You know, when you watch the game on television, visually, I mean, it pretty much looks the same, right? You, you yeah. Other than, you know, the, the fans, but they have the, you know, the – you know, the fans there on the video, so forth and so on. But can you describe to us in detail? Because I've heard from executives and players, and they all said it really reminds them of like a high-level scrimmage because of the way it's played. But visually, on television, yeah. it looks great. Can you kind of give us, yeah. describe, or kind of what, what do you think of what it really feels like because you're there in the in the gymnasium? I, I feel like I'm watching games that like, and this was all due respect, like a Cal State Northridge. <laughs> Meaning like the gym feels like because of the way they make it, it's like a small gym. Yeah. Like a like a small division one gym, you know, made like Pepperdine or Loyola Marymount or something mm -hmm. like that. Um so it's strange. But it feels like, different though. Does it feel different? I mean, everyone describes yeah, it. Well, well it feels though. different because you could feel like the, there's been a lot of moments like you know, Donovan, like, having a big game and them going to overtime. Or, you know, I was there when Devin Booker made a game when it shot against the Clippers. And I was at that Brooklyn Blazers game. And you like, I, I was telling somebody, I said, man, imagine if this game that meant what it meant was in Barclays. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, how crazy and dope would that game have been? When Karis LeVert had that last shot and, and he missed it. But... Like, so to me, like, it makes me to appreciate the crowd so much more, man. Like, that, I, I, I think the energy in the building is, like, natural because there's no crowd to kind of, like, give you that extra boost. Mm -hmm. Like, it's it's cool seeing the fans on the thing, you know, and the, the, the virtual the, thing and everything, but you can't hear them. They look like weird peeping toms, look, you know, looking into a room, you know what I mean? Like, and so it just – I actually hope that the NBA pushes the season next season back as much as possible in hopes that there is a healthier world and that fans can go to the game. And I bet you the players are going to be signing every autograph. They're going to be – their appreciation for the fans, I think, is going to – not that it wasn't on a good level, but – They'll, they're going to appreciate people being in the seat so much more um, because now, like, I almost wish they would get rid of the noise, the fan noise. It just and then some. Sometimes it's just like excruciatingly loud for no reason. But I'm enjoying like listening, hearing the co like I can hear what the coaches are saying when they're bad out, like some of the players trash talking, um, and that loud noise that they push in. I almost think they do it on purpose so we can't hear what the players are saying. <laughs> I, I really think that because, like, CJ said something when in the game where they, you know, beat Brooklyn, and he was yelling something. And it's funny because they're screaming at 
it'll be like a GM, a trainer, assistant GM sitting over there on the side and they're yelling at them. Like they're yelling at their parents. Like, yeah, I did it. You know, <laughs> like, right, 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 right. so what's going to be an interesting dynamic is when they get to the second round of friends and family could come when everybody could well, they be able to go to the game too, Mark, with their friends and family. Or? They could just one. So I had a, you know, I talked to uh, Fred Van Vliet about it. He said it's like they're almost kind of making it to not make you not want to bring anybody. Mm-hmm. At the same token, I think there's a lot of players that are like, I'm focused right now. There's really not a lot for you to do. So I think it would be really hard to bring kids. Right. Like, how many times are you going to take them to the pool? You know what I mean? They can't go to Disneyland. Right. And like one player told me, he's like, if I think my wife and my three kids are coming and he said, I got a regular hotel room, the king bed, and they're going to give me a connecting room. And the two kids are going to like, the three kids are going to sleep on the two beds in the other room in the connecting room. It's not like at home. Mm-hmm. So if you're really trying to concentrate and trying to play, but then you're going to put your family in this much smaller, you know, environment with not a whole lot to do. And then you got to remember kids are going back to school now. Right. How are they going to learn? You know, are they going to, is there a place where they could do virtual learning? Is there, there's no playgrounds here. Like It's like, so I, I think if like somebody's like married, like it's just you and your wife or maybe if she, she's got a lot of like, what, what do I say? Just like really, she, she don't need you to entertain her all the <laughs> yeah, time. She's an independent or, operator. Yeah, yeah, Like, hey, I'm going to go read a book or I'm going to go ride a bike or I'm going to, you know, if she's independent, if, you're, if your mom's come, like I heard Dane said he wanted to bring his mom, his his uh, fiance and his son. Like, I'm sure they'd be so happy. And I'm sure his room is a lot bigger than most. You know, <laughs> that, you know they'll be fine. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if the majority of the players opt not to bring people. Hmm. I do know one, one guy, and I got to save this because it's for a story I'm writing, but one young player invited his dad to come, which I think is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You nice, know, that it's, nice. like his dad, like he wants his dad to be at the game mm-hmm. and kind of look at him and like, am I doing all right? You know, you know, I like yeah, yeah, yeah. those coaches that like parent coaches, man, they, they could look at their kid and kind of like get a like, read. Yeah. <laughs> and I, but I'm curious, to, I don't know where they're going to sit them. Like, are they on the floor? Are they, where are they going to be? And it's it's limited in seating on the floor. But perhaps their cheering will bring some energy to the game that's lacking. You know what's been really cool, uh, again, just watching, is when the the player's family or kids introduce them. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. The game. That's like what – that's probably my highlight of the, of the bubbles. You know, like watching Kyle Lowry expression yeah. <laughs> or watching the Phoenix Suns. I think they were the yeah. first team to do it. That I just thought that was like yeah. great because you're getting yeah, to peek man. behind the curtain and you know that those feelings are like so real and um, yeah. it, I, does it come off the same when you're down there in the bubble? Because I mean it looks well, really cool I, on television. I haven't been to like they've only done it for two different teams. I think they should that should be the introductions for all the teams. Yeah, right. I think that'd be kind of cool. Um, you know, so it's it, it's this is a weird. You look, they're knocking on my thing. <laughs> uh, can you give me two hours? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, see, real life bubble stuff. Yeah, right bubble yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, delivering the beans, you know. They're delivering yeah. the beans. No, no. <laughs> you delivering the towels. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> no, it's just. Should I open this door? Y'all may absolutely. Go... You yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what it feels like, BJ? Like when we were when Pooh was in China. <laughs> we have Pooh Jetteron. You see it? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. All right, thank you. You see her? Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See how she had the mask on, everything? Yeah. She had the it. mask and the shield. Yeah, I was going to say, there's no games. Yeah, yeah but, uh, hey, where were we at? <laughs> we were talking about the... Uh, the families yeah. and the, the families yeah. the families yeah so yeah no that, that's beautiful that's cool um I, I think even the the weird thing now is like the teams that have been eliminated like i i talked to a guy that works for the kings he's like man i'm in a weird place right now because like people are like you, they're getting tested every day here mm-hmm. where everybody's wearing a mask here like i'm in my room so i'm not wearing a mask but as soon as i walk out of here I got on a bus once and forgot my mask and they just started screaming at me like I was crazy. Um, but when you get home, like, I think it's gonna be a weird thing for me because I know I'm okay here. Like, I know I'm getting tested every day. I know if, if somehow I got sick, I got a place to go. I got this nasty, you see it right here, right? bug bite. They had like a little, I went somewhere and they gave me a medicine, to, like just like that. There wasn't no line, you know what I mean? Like yeah. they have a hospital on the facility. Um, and then it's like, when I leave here, we're going back to the real world, which is like absolutely scary to me. So are you saying, Mark, you're not leaving? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I may not want to go, but I'm, they're going to kick me out. You know? Um no, I'll be excited to go home. I just think when I get home, I'm gonna be scared to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like I get, I got friends that have gotten tested and they don't get their results for like three weeks. Yep, I'm getting my results in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. That's just, I get tested every. Can you imagine? Like we get tested every morning. Like I know right. the people, the COVID people. I talk to them every day when I go in there. Right. And I get mm-hmm. tested every so. My hope and prayer is like then when we do get out of here, that the whole world is a whole lot better. I don't know based on what I'm watching and reading every day, but it, I, this is the safest place in America, maybe perhaps the world right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and the NBA is getting all the credit for for being able to to be on the forefront of that, getting the saliva tests and all those types of things. Those are the big stories that are coming out. And Spears, I have to ask you about one thing you mentioned, which is you can. Hey, hear hey I'm a, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you real quick, Tate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm gonna ask you guys to get Dr. Leroy Sims on your show. Okay, okay. He he's a uh, guy that's not getting much credit. I've written about him. I'm, I'll. I'll OPSPN could eventually show the piece on television, but there's a black doctor that's running this whole thing. Mm, really? That's in charge of the entire bubble. And when you talk to him, you could see the stress in his eyes. Yeah, I'm sure. And like even with his mask on, you could see the stress. And so everything's been perfect, but everything's still scary to him. Because if something goes wrong, then you're probably going to know his name. But now that everything's good, 
is quiet and nobody's really taught. They're giving NBA credit, but he deserves a lot of the credit too because he he talked about the details about the chairs being distanced and how the media interacts and you know what the testing was going to look like and he chose you know played a role in what company was chose to do the test and what tests that we had to have and we got a buzzer that we got to wear on our credential that if we're within six feet of somebody it starts barking at us that's why he was in charge of this whole thing he's our dr fauci i guess you could say Mm. and it's sad that like i i think he just needs to be talked about more um he's doing a phenomenal job and he's a young doctor Mm -hmm. young black doctor who's doing like amazing things and um, I, I definitely think you guys should get him on here to talk about the undertaking that he's has, has had. Oh, and we definitely, I, I know BJ and I are all game for that, but I mean, that, that kind of brings back to the undefeated and Spears, yeah. that's what you're there to do, right? You know, you're at the undefeated at an ESPN and you say the story generally is the NBA is on the forefront, but let's go specifically who really is the story. And we go to the doctor and we, and we get the, mm-hmm. and, that, and that's what you've been able to do with the undefeated. You go there in 2016. And since you've been there, I feel like there has been, you know, the, the Malik, Chris Haynes, Malik Andrews, a lot of a sea change, it seems in the reporters that are coming out and, and covering the sport of the NBA and there's a lot of trust there. People call you the athlete whisperer. Um, what, what has that been like, you know, from that, that run in 2016 to 2020, these past four years, it does seem like that trust. Uh, I mean, just from the outside looking in, it seems like the yeah. trust of you in the game, in the sport with the players, executives, etc. It has gotten to such a great level. Um, and I don't know if you feel that, but just from the outside yeah. looking in, that's how it looks. Well, this is, this is actually my 21st year covering the NBA. Yep. No, uh, so it's been twenty one mark. Is it been? Yeah, man, you was you were playing when I was when I started. Yeah, I think I was at the end. Yeah, yeah, I was I was at the end. I remember. I, yeah, young so, guy, you know, young guy. Y'all talk yeah, about he you, could you, dunk. You, you, young you, young you, guy, you, like six six. All we talk about he could dunk. You know, yeah. I was like, who's this guy? You yeah, know? no, like I was. Uh, I started the ninety nine two thousand season covering the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't play at a super high level. I played. At a junior college called Foothill. I played at an HBCU called the University of DC. I redshirted at San Jose State um, and didn't finish uh, playing there. But I think my having being a tall guy, being a big guy, knowing the game of basketball certainly like helped me because I know what it's like to be in the locker room. I know what it's like to be the best dude on the team. I know what it's like to not play a lot. I've been, you know one of the biggest compliments I've gotten was Antonio McDice told me early in my career, I could tell you used to play by the questions you asked. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think the thing is like, I mean, me and Melo actually talked about this other day. Like he, I think he appreciated the fact like, look, man, I just want to write about you as a player. I don't, I'm not an ambulance chaser. I'm not like looking to write, destroy you or anything. Yep. But I told him like, but if you get arrested, I got to write about it. So you 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 determine whether I'm writing about the amazing things you're doing on and off the court, or you determine whether I have to write about some of the problems. And I think perhaps maybe I played a role in helping him understand and having a good relationship with the media because I think he got it like we're not all out to get him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Greg Popovich once told me that I'm fair. And the one thing I... I love about my job is, especially with the undefeated over the last four years, is they like allow me to write about things that aren't basketball related. You know, I, I just wrote about 
CJ McCollum's wine, you know, and um, I'm, I'm writing a, a, a big story about Michael Porter Jr. dealing with being biracial. Um, you know, it's it, maybe it's not the clickbait stuff, but I feel like players feel like if there's something personal that they want to talk about, whether it's race or something that happened in their family or like that, in talking to me, there's a comfortable space in a, in a space where their story can be told accurately and in a, in a, in a positive way. Mm-hmm. So I, I played the newsbreaker role. I've been the beat writer role. I've written columns and I still do, but to be in this space where I'm talking about race and culture and, and off court things and things that might, you know, broaden somebody's mental horizons or challenge their way of thinking or make them see the world in a different way to, you know, um, than, than the, the racist way or the sexist way or, you know, the negative way, like, uh, like get people to have tough conversations like that to me is like the beauty of my job and why I love it so much. And perhaps people can tell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you know, Mark, you, uh, you know, you talked about players having such a comfort with you and you and I have been knowing each other for so long, but you're writing this book now. Mm-hmm. Spencer Haywood. Can you share a little bit about it? Talk about it. Mm. Spencer Haywood. Give us a little insight. When, <laughs> when is it coming out? When is, what, uh, what's, what's going Spencer on? Spencer Haywood Rule comes out October 6th. You could actually get it on Amazon now, pre-purchase it. Spencer Haywood's uh, story is crazy, man. He, he basically literally grew up on a cotton field. Um, he credits his ability to rebound well during his pro career from picking cotton as a kid. Um, father died when he was born. He he dealt with some extreme, sad, good old Mississippi racism mm-hmm. that is detailed in the book um, and, and basically left Mississippi chase a basketball dream to save his life because there was some jealousy and things going in the wrong direction there that, that could have led to him having an early death. Um, so we, we take you from his cotton field, Mississippi days to the racism that he dealt with as a kid to eating roadkill and shooting mm. arrows and, and, uh, catching his own food. <laughs> like, his story is crazy, man. Like, um, working at a caddy at a golf course as a kid and, um, how after JFK died, they lined all the kids up and these angry white men hit golf balls at these young black boys uh, in retaliation for how JFK was trying to help black people. Like it's, it's deep. There's a lot going on there. We talk about the 68 Olympics, him seeing John Carlos and Tommy Smith getting kicked out of the Olympic village, like being there to see that Um, his pro career, like how he, he helped, free agency like he was like at the birth of free agency in sports mm-hmm. um playing for the lakers being married to mine like his his story is probably one of a, a, a 30 for 30 and it's really really incredible so we're bringing high uh highlight to this uh very interesting hall of famer uh in this book that i wrote with gary washburn who who writes for the uh, boston globe and uh 
it's not it's not a long read. It's like two hundred and fifty pages or something like that. Yeah. And, but it's so interesting. Like I think from a just odd good storytelling basketball standpoint, whether you're a basketball fan or not, you could probably get through it pretty easy. Yeah, and I was going to say, to give some basketball context, it's like that's the ABA MVP in 1970. That's the guy that played on the Lakers team when Magic had to play center when they won the championship his rookie year yeah. in 1980. I mean, the, the stories that Spencer Haywood has been a part of, like you said, just the basketball stories alone carry weight, and then you add in all the other stories like you just said, and then it sounds yeah. like a great story. So we'll definitely we'll definitely be reading that. And, and Spears, we appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your story and, yeah. and sharing Thank your bubble you. experience. And, uh, and we would love to have you back on the show and enjoy the beans <laughs> And the coffee and the wine because you deserve it well hey y'all welcome to uh send me some of that pasta robles wine out there and uh there you go yeah some uh i see my man mike drinking some coffee send me some of the la finest coffee beans out there too man because uh you know we, we we need some care packages in here man we need some love too don't forget it thanks for having me yeah. love you bj hey man uh, love you too mark man you stay safe down there appreciate it can't hey, wait no, to see you y'all stay safe <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. all right we'll, safe. we'll <laughs> stay safe out here yeah. <laughs>